Good morning. It's a privilege to be able to uh, share with you guys this morning. We're in uh, the second session of the Stay Positive series. And uh, today's sermon title is How to Kick the Can Habit, Complaining, Anxiety, and Negativity. Last week, the sermon title was Enough of the Bad News. And interestingly enough, that was recorded prior to the civil unrest, the protests, the riots, and the violence that has erupted across our country. Seems like that's another heaping on of worry and fear that feeds our anxiety about life's circumstances and the personal effects that those circumstances have on us. I really believe at this time God is calling on all of his people to pour out our hearts. Uh, Psalms talks about a broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. So he wants us to come to him humbly. And one of the social media posts that I saw said this, followers of Jesus, Jesus should seek to bring justice where there is injustice, hope where there is hopelessness, peace where there is anxiety, light where there is darkness, love where there is fear, compassion to the brokenhearted, and comfort where there is hurting. I believe God is presenting opportunities for his people to love our neighbors and to love others during this time. Many opportunities, I believe. So today I want to talk about gratitude as the cure for the negative effects, the negative effects spiritually, emotionally, physically, and relationally that anxiety and the associated complaining uh, and negativity uh, uh, that can have on our lives. And when our lives become disrupted and uh, our plans become disrailed, um, those things have a tendency to be escalated in our lives. There's a quote from John Ortberg that says this, gratitude is the ability to experience life as a gift. It liberates us from the prison of self-preoccupation. Anxiety, complaining, and negatively are rarely expressed on behalf of someone else. It's self-focused. Those things are self-focused most of the time. And we are, if we're honest and admit it to ourselves, we are self-preoccupied many, many times. It tells us in James chapter 4, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. So that scripture talks about uh, that it's about us. Uh, it, we're preoccupied and, and we fall into that habit of self-preoccupation. And I want to paraphrase, and uh, don't throw rocks at me for this, but I want to paraphrase Romans 3.23, a, a, a verse that many people know. And in my paraphrase, it says this, all have, all have complained, been anxious, and expressed negativity and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all guilty in this area. Yes, even your leaders, your pastors, we're all guilty in the area of sometimes complaining, suffering anxiety, and expressing negativity in some areas. So 
just to drive the point home, uh, lest you think this doesn't apply to you, let me share a new word with you that I just learned. And I like learning new words. And the word is a Yiddish word, and it's called kvetching. Strange word, kvetching, or being a kvetch, okay? And here's, um, here's some synonyms for kvetching, okay? And I'm just reading these right out of the, right out of the, the, the dictionary, okay? And again, I think many of these synonyms apply even to me. And I think if, you, if you're honest, you're going to understand that they apply to you. So kvetching is to beef, bellyache, bitch, bleat, carp, caterwaul, complain, crab, croak, fuss, gripe, grizzle, grouch, grouse, growl, grumble, grump, holler, inveigh, keen, kick, maunder, moan, murmur, mutter, nag, repine, scream, squawk, squeal, wail, whimper, whine, whinge, yammer, yop, yowl, or to be a baby, a bellyacher, a complainer, a crybaby, a fuss budget, a fusser, a fusspot, a griper, a grumbler, a kvetcher, a sniveler, or a whiner. Those are all, those are all synonyms for that word kvetching or, or being a kvetch. And interestingly enough, the primary antonym is to rejoice. Okay? So all of that, all of that to state this, anxiety, complaining, and negativity are the antithesis of what we are called to exhibit as those uh, who call Christ Jesus their Lord and Savior. And all of us have some, and some of us have a lot of this particular issue to confess in our life so that we can begin the healing process in our own lights. So let's, let's move a step further to kind of help define this a little bit more. And we see that in point one uh, on your outline. And we'll look at the scripture out of Philippians chapter two, starting in verse 13. And this is what that says. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Kind of says a lot of different things there and a lot of good and important things there. And so um, that moves on, looking at that scripture, that moves on to point A, where God says clearly, don't complain. God says don't complain. Instead, let your light shine. Now, when he, God says don't complain, he knows already that we have that propensity. He knows already that we have that weakness in us. He knows already that we have an old nature that likes to complain and be negative. And here's the kicker on that when he says instead let your light shine. That scripture also told us is the God who created heaven and earth, the God who is all powerful and who is all knowing, the God who created you and the God who made the way through the life, death and resurrection of Christ for us to be set back in right relationship with him has placed his spirit in us. He's given us a new nature and he is working in us not only to change our desires, but to also give us victory over the habit of negativity and complaining. Scripture tells us that he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Well, why would he do that? Why would he give us all things that pertain to life and godliness? And why would he work in us and through us to change our desires and to give us victory? Well, 
Here's the answer. So that we would, and it tells us that in this verse, so that we would represent him well. So that we would reflect God well to a lost, a hurting, and a broken world. That we would be witnesses of the transformation that's possible through Christ Jesus our Lord. So complaining and negativity are contrary to our new nature, and they're a negative witness to those around us. So the next point on your outline, point B says, God says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious, but instead be thankful in all circumstances. And then the scripture that I want to look at for that is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 16, where it says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Okay, again, pretty straightforward. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Last week we looked at, uh, Jim talked about Psalm 46 where it said, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. So how can God say, don't be anxious, but be thankful in all circumstances. Well, it's because he controls the circumstances. He is sovereign over all creation. He is personally sustaining creation at all points and directing it towards his perfect plan that demonstrates his uncontested lordship and his unmerited favor and amazing grace towards those he loves and calls his own. He does and always will cause all things to work together to those who love him and who have been called according to his good purposes. Jeremiah 29 goes on to emphasize that point and it says in Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. What a, great, what a great scripture. What a glorious promises that Jeremiah is sharing with us about God's heart towards us and the plans that he has for us. Again, even in that, uh, the plans are for good. All the things that come into our life might not be, from our perspective, considered good, but God can make those things for his good. And uh, just a, uh, another quote to share. Scripture is filled with the truth that God knows how to care for his people. It doesn't matter where you read in the Bible, we can read the fact that God cares for his people. And we need not to live lives filled with anxiety because he cares for us and he has a plan in all things. Our responsibility is to trust and obey him knowing that he is good, that he is faithful, and that he is sovereign over every circumstance. God is sovereign. He controls the circumstance. So that's the first two points. I want to look at point two, which is defining the cure. And this is where our hope comes in uh, when we look at this. And, and uh, point A on your outline says, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. It's always good when something is repeated in scripture to pay attention to it. So rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. And in Philippians 4, great section of scripture, um, 
the Apostle Paul's writing this. Uh, his circumstances are not good at this time. And yet he can say in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So in those verses, not only do we see another reminder that we're not to live a life that's filled with anxiety, but we also see the cure. We see what the hope is for overcoming the habit of complaining, the habit of negativity, and the resultant anxiety that can come as a result of a life filled with negativity and complaining. Uh, there's a lot of bad things that can happen if we keep that anxiety in us. If we look at, if we look at our world today, especially during this COVID-19, and I have no doubt with the recent civil unrest that's happening, um, it's a sad thing, but suicide rates have soared. And much of that, I believe, is because of the anxiety and the difficulties that many people are facing, the negativity that is just running rampant. Uh, uh, across the world. So uh, what I want to do is this verse, these verses, I want to look at four key words that will help us understand what God is saying to us in these verses. And the first word I want to look at and do a little word study on is the word anxious, the word anxious. And when you look at that word in the Greek, it means to be split into factions, to be cut into pieces, to be torn apart, Figuratively, it means to disunite or to separate yourself from. One of the English translations for that same word is to be distracted, to lose focus. The word rejoice and thanksgiving, those two words in these verses, share the same Greek word, um, and I'll try to pronounce it. It's called harish, and this translates, this word translates, they both have that word in them, and this translates as God's grace. Both of those words contain God's grace. And it's talking about God's unmerited favor towards us and that we should be able to um, rejoice and be thankful as an expression or proof of God's manifest grace in our lives. That's what drives the thanksgiving. That's what drives the gratitude. That's what drives the rejoicing, okay, is that we know and understand God's grace that's been poured out into our lives. And then the fourth word, the word peace. That word in the Greek talks about being made whole, to be joined together, to be set as one again, to be made exempt from the havoc and rage of war. So with those definitions in place, if I could, if I could take that scripture and piece it back together with those, with those definitions, it would sound something like this. It would, God is saying, don't allow the circumstances or the uncertainties of your life to tear you apart from me. Don't become distracted and turn your focus away from me. I have made a way through Christ and him crucified for you and I to be made one. You have been made whole. You're no longer an enemy, but I've paid the price for your redemption. So celebrate my grace. Celebrate what I've done for you. Be filled with joy. Be filled with awe and focus on my unmerited favor and my goodness towards you. Be amazed at how much I love you and my never-ending faithfulness 
to you. Again, in 1 Thessalonians, it says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. If we belong to him, we should be able to rejoice and be thankful when we understand his grace towards us. So those things talk about taking God at his word by faith, believing his promises to us. When we do that, that becomes our sure and steadfast hope and the cure that we all so desperately need. The final point on your outline is let gratitude liberate you. Let gratitude liberate you. And in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13, it says this, A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart the spirit is crushed. Gratitude and thanksgiving leak out of us and it shows on our face it shows in our countenance how we hold ourselves how we relate to people it shows okay and uh, psychology and science are, are kind of late to the game in agreeing with what God has already said in his word and this is some of the things that that God's word says and psychology has confirmed a life practicing gratitude increases happiness which is reflected in, in our countenance, okay? It reduces negative emotions, and overall, it improves mental, physical, and emotional health. People who are grateful, people who express gratitude, feel less pain, have less stress, they sleep better, they don't get sick as often, and they experience healthier, healthier relationships. And generally, they do better overall in every aspects of life. And I would add something myself that I didn't get from science or God's word, but people that express gratitude and thanksgiving are much more enjoyable to be around than a kvetch. Okay? Uh, so gratitude, we find, is really the cure. I want to share a personal story of, uh, of an aha moment in my life where... Uh, my understanding of thanksgiving and gratitude escalated significantly. And you might find it a, a strange illustration in this of gratitude and thanksgiving. But it came when Karen and I lost our son, Chris. And uh, as I examined that and, and looked at that and, and looked back on my life and realized that, that from that, uh, I became a grateful person. And and not a grateful person for what happened, but a grateful person because um, during that time, I drew very, very, very close to the Lord. I was able to, not that I was able to, but by God's spirit, I was able to uh, divest as much self as I could and totally trust and believe that God had a good and a perfect plan in a very difficult situation. And through that, I learned that I could trust him I could trust him even with my son and my son's earthly future, okay? And I could trust that what Romans 8.28 says, that, that he can cause all things to work together for good. I can trust that even though I didn't know at that time what good could come from losing a 26-year-old son, I could trust that God was able to turn that to good. And for that, I was grateful. I changed my thinking, and instead of, being grateful for the circumstances, I became grateful for the God who controls the circumstances. Now, 
I don't sit before you today saying that I've got this gratitude thing down and uh, uh, I still struggle uh, with some complaining and some anxiety and some negativity. And I've even had seasons where uh, I wasn't quite sure the way back to, to return to having the correct attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving. And again, gratitude and thanksgiving, not for the circumstances, because that's nothing that we can, ba we can't base that on that because circumstances uh, many times are not good. So gratitude, not on the circumstances, but gratitude for my God who controls the, the circumstances for his good and perfect plan and for my eternal best. And in all of that, and even in this season, I believe it's always God's word that is the path to lead us to living a life of gratitude and thanksgiving, to be able to rejoice in who he is and his great love and care for us. And there was a scripture that, that carried Karen and I through that difficult time, and it still stands today in our lives and in the lives of many, and I think it could stand in your life also as an amazing uh, encouragement regardless of the circumstances. And that's Romans chapter 8, and I want to read those verses to you. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or are persecuted or hungry or destitute, or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What a glorious promise that is. Uh, uh, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And again, that quote that we opened with, gratitude is the ability to experience life as a gift. It liberates us from the prison of self-preoccupation. Christ came to give us the abundant life, the abundant life that comes from abiding in him. We can be set free from a life filled with anxiety, fear, negativity, and uncertainty. A self-focused life by turning to him. A quote from, a, I can't remember who the quote came from, uh, but it, it says this. Uh, somebody here in our church, one of the leaders, I think, it's not about you and it's not about now. We can't be self-focused. We can't focus on the temporal circumstances in front of us. Instead, we need to abide in Christ. He is our rescuer. He is our cure for anxiety, for negativity in our life. So I will close with this. And I'm going to paraphrase parts of this old hymn, so forgive me for that. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth, COVID-19, civil unrest, financial woes, uncertain future, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory.
and grace. Let's pray. Father, we come today with hearts filled with, uh, uh, we'll admit, Lord, our hearts are filled with a little bit of turmoil over the circumstances of life. And yet, Lord, we can look to you knowing that you are not in heaven wringing your hands over the circumstances of this world, but that you are in control, that you are sovereign, that you are good. Father, that you are faithful to keep the promises that you've given us. So Father, today, uh, again, we confess uh, sometimes when we lose focus, when we slip into uh, to negativity and complaining, uh, and we allow our lives to be filled with anxiety, Father, uh, we admit that that happens at times, but Father, we know that that's not where you intend us to be and that you've equipped us. You've given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Father, we are equipped in Christ Jesus to walk with you and to experience peace um, in you, peace in, in the plans that you have for us. So we ask for your help. Father, we thank you that we have your spirit that leads us and guides us and ministers to us in those things. And Father, we ask in closing today, that you would be able to use um, all of your people, everyone listening today, Father, that you would be able to use all your people, your church, your body, to minister and to witness to the world about who you are, what your plans are. Father, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.